When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Thanks to GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. Welcome to the First Serve, your home of tennis. Good evening, everybody. Welcome along to the First Serve. Wonderful to have your company again on this uh, Monday night post uh, a big, uh, well, I think the biggest uh, US Open uh, that I've witnessed. The level of tennis the last uh, couple of weeks has been absolutely superb, particularly on the men's side. And I know it's been all about uh, King Charles uh, III over the last uh, few days being proclaimed. And uh, it's a very sad occasion, of course, with the death of Queen Elizabeth. But what about the arrival of King Carlos? King Carlos, it's not just a flash in the pan for anyone that knows their tennis. This young man is going to be with us for the next 15 to 20 years, fighting for trophies like he did across the last fortnight. We'll hear from Carlos very shortly. We'll hear from Juan Carlos, who's been the architect in the background, a former world number one himself who's now guided his young charge to the world number one status. Would love your US Open reflections tonight. one 736 736 Give us your report card. one 736 736 Brett Phillips in the chair. And I'd love to receive your text tonight as well. 0433 All thanks to Tennis Direct. TennisDirect.com.au. Get that nice little 10% discount. They've got rackets, accessories. It's your one-stop shop. Wherever you are listening around Australia tonight, get all those goodies delivered to your front door. one 736 736 Or on the Tennis Direct text, 0433 So our US Open reflections are very shortly... Uh, the UTR uh, mailbag also tell you a little bit more about the National Tennis Academy up in Brisbane, which uh, I'm going to head up and visit in the next uh, three weeks and find out uh, what's happening behind the scenes there. But uh, the US Open has been absolutely uh, spectacular the past uh, fortnight. In fact, uh, the US Open releasing today, they set two new all-time attendance records, main draw attendance and combined main draw and US Open uh, fan week attendance. I mean, the Slam's really become three-week events now. Total of 776,120 fans came through the gates during the two weeks of the main draw to surpass the previous record of 737,872 people set back in 2019. So the full three-week attendance, including US Open fan week, was 888,044, the previous best over the three weeks was about 35,000 shy of that, 853,227. And for the first time in Arthur Ashes Stadium's 25-year history, every session in the stadium, uh, of course with a capacity, increased capacity, 23,859 was sold out and we heard every roar over the last uh, fortnight. It was uh, a cracking atmosphere, although I still... 
I still maintain that the uh, the chair umpires should be paid triple overtime at the US Open because they are a rowdy bunch over there. They're boisterous and loud. And the one thing that's just on my goat, and if I hear anyone doing this at the Australian Open, I tell you, I almost might jump out of the commentary box. But when a person, a player, is going to serve, who do the idiots think they are to be yelling out as the players in their service motion? Make all the noise you like as the players stepping up to serve, but colour the amount of times the umpire's got to jump in, the chair umpire, the last couple of weeks for people who want to make a name for themselves. So if you're going to the tennis and the uh, male or female player's about to serve, uh, button up. All right, let's get on to the real positives. Iga Sviontek. We're going to go ladies first before we get into uh, Carlos. Um, what a fortnight. She's now 5,275 points clear of Onjabur, who's risen to uh, world number two. I think Ons will have her time. I can't necessarily mount a case for a lot of the other female players in the top 10 uh, right now, but I can mount a case for Ons Jabeur to break through and win one. But if we look at Sviontek's uh, year, I mean, she's 50-plus wins, just the seven losses, semi-final of the Australian Open, wins the French. So the only surface she's got to conquer in 2023 onwards is the grass of Wimbledon. And wins uh, the US Open. So round one, six three six love over Paulini, the Italian. Six three six two in round two over Sloane Stevens. Little Lauren Davis was the opponent in round three. Six three six four. The only real scare came up against the Bolter uh, from Germany, who followed off a great Wimbledon into a great US Open. Uh, Jules Niemeyer of Germany, who had uh, Eager a set and four two down, and Eager responded. Came back to win the second. Uh, Bagel in the third. Uh, Jessica Bagula, 6-3-7-6. Sabalenka certainly had her chances. 4-2 up on Eager in that uh, semi-final. Couldn't get it done. Uh, the world number one. Storms back to win the tiebreaker, 6-1-7-6. And then uh, laid the foundations early against Onjabur to get it done, 6-2. And really pushed to a tiebreaker. And it became more of a contest, certainly, in the second. But she's a fabulous player to watch. Uh, so many aspects you love about the Sviontek game. Takes the ball early. Uses all parts. Dynamic. Um, back court, front court. She's got her own sports psychologist, Daria, who sits in the box there, working with her on the mind and just been able to uh, reset when there's a little bit of adversity or if she's a break point down and... It's a beautiful thing to watch. She is so far clear right now ahead of the uh, the rest of the field. Iga Sviontek, the 2022 US Open champion. Well, it's hard to describe it in one sentence, but, you know, I'm just super proud of myself because it was an easy match, even though at the beginning I, I was dominating. I knew that it's going to be tight and I knew that, you know, she's going to is going to use any mistake that I'm going to make. And I... I didn't want to back out. In second set, it got really physical, and I'm happy that I got my level of energy up a little bit more, so I could finish and be really precise in those uh, moments where I needed that. Because yeah, we we played on a really good level today. We talk a lot about the fact that it was important for you to win a slam that wasn't on clay. 
for the two French Open. What does it mean to you to do that? And do you think it is important for your legacy or your or your career? Yeah, for sure it is. Beginning of the season, I realized that maybe I can have some good results uh, on WTA events. I also made it to semifinal of Australian Open. I wasn't sure if I'm on, on that level yet to win actually a Grand Slam, especially on, on US Open where the surface is so fast. So it's something that I wasn't expecting for sure. It's also like a confirmation for me that sky is the limit. I'm proud, also surprised a little bit, and just happy that I was able to do that. It feels quite different, I think, to your French Open wins. You know, there you obviously super confident you were playing so well and you won all the matches. I'm not going to say either, but, you know, not too many battles where they're here. You've really had to fight, haven't you? And I, I just wonder, does that in some ways make it more satisfying? Well, it's hard to compare. For sure, on Roland Garros, I always feel like I have more control. And I feel like Philippe Chartier is kind of my place here on Ash. I still need to figure out the atmosphere. And uh, I wasn't sure before the match if this is actually my place. I was pretty focused and I didn't let myself, you know, like get into these thoughts. And for sure, I would say, I don't know if it's more than the, the second win on Roland Garros. Because I feel like back then the pressure was really on and everybody was kind of expecting me to win here. I managed to get my expectations lower and also I feel like people were not expecting a lot from me on hard courts so so mentally I think Grand Garros was a little bit tougher but tennis wise and physically here for sure it was tougher. You used the word proud and used the phrase sky's the limit everything you've already accomplished in your career at just 21 what are you proudest of and what are you most excited about for what the future Mostly proud of, of the fact that mentally I'm not kind of freeing up in those important moments. And I have, after the matches, even if I lose, I kind of have no regrets because I know that I'm doing 100% and proud that I have met much more solutions um, and options on court than I had before, tennis-wise. Oh, she's a good problem solver, no doubt about that. The US Open champion, the world number one, Iga Sviantek. And I sat back and... You know, I was reflecting today, I also had a chat to a few of the shows across uh, the SEN uh, network that, gee, if Ash Barty had a kept playing, what this rivalry might have become between Barty and uh, Sviantek because Barty was the absolute standout at the peak of her powers. Eager takes over that mantle and she's become the absolute uh, standout as we whip around all the results from the US Open thanks to AATC, Australasian Academy of Tennis Coaches. They're providing quality coach education right across the globe. They've got courses delivered by industry leaders and tennis business owners, so you can actually learn locally, coach all around the world. They're internationally endorsed, so log on and find out more at aatc.tennis. So just the little rankings look today, the significant movers and those who have dropped, uh, Isla Tomjanovic, our leading Australian, jumps up 12 spots. So at a career-high 34, and if those Wimbledon points had a candidate, she would have been inside the top 30. Layla Fernandez, runner-up uh, last year at the US Open, not uh, able to defend uh, the final. So she drops 26 places to 40 in the world. We spoke about Jules Nimai had a great opportunity against Eager in that uh, fourth round. Couldn't quite uh, seal the deal, but she's gone up 35 spots to 73. So the last two slams, she's gone from way outside the top 100 to inside. The significance of actually performing where it counts. And Emma Raducanu, last year's uh, fairy tale victory at 18. Gee, the price you pay if you don't defend your title. She dropped 72 spots to 83 in the world from 11. So it's a big climb back for uh, Emma uh, Raducanu. one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or you can shoot us a uh, text on the Tennis Direct text 0433981116. Would uh, love your reflections. Let's get on to King Carlos. He has been the star 
uh, the last couple of weeks. It's been one of the most uh, impressive physical performances of a sports person across many sports, what he has done over the last uh, fortnight. Incredible willpower, mental fortitude, never-say-die attitude, uh, just plays moment by moment. Does that ring a bell to a Rafael Nadal of about uh, two decades ago? So we go back to round one. Does anyone remember this match was actually one of the, the a match that didn't go the distance, but it was two sets of incredible tennis against a little Argentine Sebastian Baez, seven five seven five, and then Baez had pushed himself so hard that the knee he felt a twinge. Uh, two love up, Carlos in the third. Baez says, "I'm going to pull up stumps. I can't go with you." Running to the ground by Carlos Alcaraz, but that was two of the finest sets we saw all tournament. Federico Correa got through that uh, one, two, one, and seven, five in the third. Jensen Brooksby, the uh, unconventional American, it was not a bad battle, but always Carlos had the upper hand as those three sets unfolded three, three, and three. Uh, Marin Cilic was the start of the five setters. That round four match that I think finished at about 2 a.m that uh, Carlos got it done 6-3 in the fifth. And then the match we will simply uh, never forget was the one against Yannick Sinner. Five hours and 15 minutes, the latest night ever in New York. It didn't quite uh, get the journey. I think it was, what, five hours, 26, Edberg and Chang in a semifinal many, many years ago. But that match alone just typified the whole tournament. Absolutely brilliant. And Alcaraz found a way, as he did... In the semi-final, he found a way against Francis Tiafo, who had the American crowd behind him. So he gets through that. And today, well, he did go in as the favourite against Casper uh, Ruud, and he found a way. Even when Casper came back and took that second set, you know, was Elkaraz going to run out of petrol tickets? He'd gone so hard, but no, it just fueled him for more. Brilliant to watch. We'll hear from... Uh, him very, very shortly. one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or on the text 0433 We'll also hear from uh, Juan Carlos uh, Ferreira very, very uh, shortly because we don't get to hear from the coaches in tennis uh, all that often and some great insights that you'll hear soon. But Paul in Camberwell has uh, given us a call, as you can do right throughout this hour on the first serve. Uh, Paul, great to have you on the show. Hi, good day, PP. How are you doing? Going well, thank you that's good. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about Serena. Um, she obviously thought she had something in her to compete and potentially, you know, equal or better a, a Grand Slam record. And I was surprised if she played doubles, actually, because that would have sapped a bit of energy. I thought she was probably a bit out of shape and not quite up to it. But I don't, I admire her for having a crack. I mean, you know, moving forward, I do believe she's probably fully retired now. Yep, but no doubt. I, 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 yeah, I don't think she was really fit enough to compete. But she gave it a crack. And I, as I said, BP, I was surprised she played doubles just to take that extra energy out of her. But um, well, I think that was probably anyway. I think I think that was probably planned uh, pre-tournament. Is that that was the last time we were going to see Serena and. Uh, Venus together, and I think everyone probably wanted to see them together one last time, and who knows whether it maybe sapped a little bit out of her, but I think it's a bonus that we got uh, three rounds. I mean, the expectation was, even as good a champion as she's been in the legacy and the numbers and everything else, she'd hardly hit a tennis ball in the last uh, 12 to 18 months, didn't come into the US Open with any great form, 
and it wouldn't have surprised any of us if uh, Duncan Kovanich had beaten her in the first round. The fact we got uh, three rounds out of Serena, I mean, <laughs> to think back at the end of the first week, even I was starting to think, gee, maybe something uh, spectacular could happen here at the age of 40, and she could just defy logic. And then reality set in. Isla Tomjanovic played a great match, um, held her nerve really well. In the end, the ball striking was a little too fierce for Serena's movement, but I think at least she gets to go out on some sort of high. It would have been pretty miserable if she had gone out 6-1, 6-2 in the first round and just uh, petered out of the uh, tournament. So, yeah, I think that's that's it. We uh, we won't be seeing uh, Serena again, no doubt. We might get a breakaway. We'll come back, have a listen to uh, uh, Juan Carlos Ferreira and Carlos Elcaraz, the king, matching King Charles III. Thanks to GLG Greenlife Group. Leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back. Uh, Brett Phillips with you tonight. As we do every Monday night, we talk uh, the world of tennis. You can uh, talk it with us. one 736 736 or on the uh, Tennis Direct text tonight. Go shoppingtennisdirect.com.au 0433 uh, Carlos Elcarez. We've taken you through the fortnight, who he's beaten. Not sure how many uh, uh, set of runners he went through, uh, but gee, did some damage on those uh, hard courts. You feel like he could just keep going um, and play this all over again over the next fortnight. But let's have a listen to uh, King Carlos. I mean, uh, it has been a, a great round here in the in US Open. Obviously, it's uh, great to, to have the trophy here. Uh, but uh, I would say I... I mean, I overcome myself uh, a little bit. I mean, I, yeah, I, I played uh, great matches, high intensity during the the, the two weeks that uh, I've never done before. Uh, I just uh, can say that I'm, I'm really happy to uh, move on to to be number one of the world, to uh, get still growing. So I'm so so happy. A couple of nights ago, I asked you what would you tell your young self, you know, of 16. And now, how do you feel right now to be U.S. Open champion and number one player in the world? Well, it's crazy for me, you know. I've never thought that I was going to achieve something like that at 19 years old. So everything is came so fast. So for me, it's unbelievable. This is something that I dream since I was a kid, since I started playing tennis. And of course, leave this trophy today is amazing for me. Maybe in Cincinnati, you lost a little bit of joy on the court. Like maybe you were feeling a little bit of the pressure. I just wondered, how did you manage? to put that behind you and, and play so freely and well here? Well, uh, as Juan Carlos uh, said, in Montreal and in Cincinnati, uh, I lost the joy a little bit. Couldn't smile on court that uh, if I'm doing in every match, in every tournament. So uh, I came here just uh, to uh, to enjoy, to smile on court, to uh, enjoy playing tennis. That uh, I love playing tennis, of course. And I would say if uh, I smile, if I have fun out there, I uh, saw my, my best level. My, my my best tennis so I would say if uh, well thanks to to my team thanks to Juan Carlos my family everyone who supported me in the, that in that moment to came here to, to enjoy uh, again so I, I, I'm gonna say thank you to to all of them does this 
make you hungry for more of these, or are you just too tired to think about that right now? Well, right now I'm enjoying the moment. I'm enjoying the have the trophy in my hands, but the, of course I'm hungry for more. I I want to to, to be uh, in the top for for many many weeks, many months. Hope to many years. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna work hard again uh, after. After this week, this amazing two weeks, I'm gonna fight for for half more of of this. You've talked uh, in recent days about dreaming of these things since you were a kid. When and what made you say to yourself, "I know I can do these things"? Honestly, since I won Miami, uh, since I won Miami, I I thought that the, I, I was able to to have a Grand Slam in my hands. But before before Miami, I just uh, I was thinking that I is have to still grow up. I'm able to, to do a good result in a Grand Slam, but uh, not a champion. But uh, I would say after after Miami that uh, I won great matches uh, in a row. So I would say after after that I I was say I, I thought that they I'm able to to win a Grand Slam. You've had this incredible run, which was so special, and just the way you did it was extraordinary. But if you had to put in just to one word or one phrase, what these two weeks. This run has been like at its core. What, what would that be? Stuff one, eh? I'm gonna say happy because I get the, the trophy because I I was happy on court. You gonna believe what Nick Kyrgios says from now on? <laughs> Honestly, I checked the the DM of Instagram. I I saw a Nick Kyrgios message that uh, I didn't I didn't read the whole message, but uh, I I read. Uh, he said, "I told you." Carlos, you've experienced amazing things in Madrid, on home soil, and Miami. The crowd was amazing. I'm curious, did you ever imagine that you'd have Arthur Ashe Stadium, 23,000, singing in Spanish for you and chanting and doing all these things? And at any point during these past few matches, when you had that support, were you surprised or overwhelmed by by this happening here in New York? I don't surprise at all because I I lived this last year a little bit not not as much as this year but uh, of course uh, I I live in Miami as well. Uh, indeed, uh, that was uh, her, I think back to Miami. That's where he really announced himself, particularly on a hard court. Uh, Carlos Alcaraz. We might have listened to his coach towards the uh, uh, the back end of the hour, but gee, it's it's all the comparisons to Nadal, isn't it? Who uh, struck when he was eighteen, nineteen. So he's got the the same. Uh, work ethic uh, to train uh, the way he plays. He plays with enormous intensity, just able to focus and reset on the next moment. Got incredible self-belief. Uh, the way he engages uh, with the crowd, he believes his time is now. And we've obviously been uh, plotting him and following his past since he was 14, 15, when he first emerged on the rankings with an ITF point. And people said to me, uh, this kid is something else. And you watch a lot of the uh, streams that come into the lower tier events and you could just see that this kid was going to skyrocket past uh, so many players. I'll tell you what, for those in Melbourne, because the Kuyon Classic is coming back in 2023 at the spiritual home of Australian tennis, the beautiful Kuyon Lawn Tennis Club, and they have signed Carlos Elkaraz and Alex Dimonor as part of that field. So I'd get tickets to uh, Kuyong uh, next year because that's where you can have a more intimate experience of Juan Carlos uh, in that environment rather than the Australian Open. Um, yeah, absolutely brilliant. What can you say? I do need to say a word about his opponent, Casper Ruud, who I think is an absolute beauty. And I look at the ATP rankings. Here he is as the world number two. And that has, that has certainly surprised a lot of us who follow the sport that Casper's in that spot right now. French Open final, US Open final, uh, I, th- I think he's got the capacity to win one, uh, but he's going to have to 
he's going to have to crank up the firepower a little bit more. I mean, no doubt his forehand pushed through the court. His backhand has improved a lot. So his game has probably gone from being not, not totally a counterpuncher, uh, but someone who's a little bit more defensive-minded. Obviously, won a lot of his titles on clay, uh, where that surface suited him. But he's adapted. He's got the tennis genes with his father having played professionally on the tour. And I think his time will come. But he's humble, uh, gracious in defeat, just carries himself absolutely superbly. And on that note, uh, our great partner, Yonix, uh, 76 years of performance uh, tennis product uh, crafted in Japan. Check out their latest range at yonix.com. Been good enough today to throw in a prize pack which we're going to run on our socials so if you follow us on our socials from tomorrow facebook twitter instagram however you follow us a yonex e-zone 100 record that was used by casper rude in the u.s open final valued at 369 dollars 99 it's strung with the uh, uh poly to a spin mains the pro 130 cross strings they're at 45 dollars plus you'll get the yonex pro racket bag uh, which is a, a further $209. So total value of that pack, $625. So keep an eye on our socials tomorrow, and uh, we'll tell you how you can get hold of the Casper uh, Rude prize packet, who was using uh, the Yonex uh, during uh, this year's uh, US Open. Uh, a couple of doubles before we uh, take a break. Um, Rajiv Ram and Joe Salisbury, uh, what a combination they've become to win uh, back-to-back US Open titles. They also won the Australian Open back in uh, 2020, and uh, made the quarterfinals of the French Open this year. They got past the red-hot pairing this year of Wesley Kulhoff and Neil Skupski, who were in their ninth final of won six titles, but are yet to break through at Grand Slam level. Let's have a listen to the Englishman uh, Joe Salisbury and the American uh, Rajiv Ram. Very tight sets. Everyone tight, a little bit nervous, as you'd expect at the start of the match. Um, and I think everyone kind of got into it more and more as the match went on. I felt like we were hanging on to it a little bit in the first set. Those guys were, especially Wes, was returning amazing. Uh, managed to hold on to our service games and come up with a couple of good, really good returns in the tiebreak, which got us, got us over the line in that set. And then, yeah, obviously went down a break in the second set and managed to bounce straight back, which is, um, yeah, something we're really happy with, what we managed to do in the semi-final as well. And, yeah, I think we were quite happy that we won it on that first, first match point after <laughs> after some of the matches we've had recently we said this last year it's, it's a difficult court to play on at that time I mean, the shadow is really tricky and actually from, from both sides it's a little tough so i thought we did a really good job to hold all of our service games in the first set and got down an early mini break in the breaker and then found a little magic i'm not, I'm not sure where that came from but i think that's just what you know what we can do when we stick with each other and and and, and believe in each other yeah, very good pairing, and they'll be back trying to win a second Australian Open in uh, January of uh, 2023. To the women's doubles, well, they've been a magnificent partnership. Uh, Barbora Krichikova and Katerina Siniakova, the two uh, Czechs, uh, both 26 years of age, have now conquered all four majors. Of course, they won the French twice, two-time Wimbledon champions. They won the Australian Open earlier this year, and, uh, well, the only one missing was the US Open, and they got it done. That the match was very difficult. I felt like we were just down first. I mean, we were down for uh, for a very long time, but I felt that we were still like in the game and we tried to fight every for every single ball. And suddenly, the the, the game just started to you know go on our side. So it was. I mean, we, we felt really really good with that. And as we took the the second set, I think from there on we started to be a better better team. And I'm really really happy that we uh, that we won this this final final slam for us. That that, that 
that we were missing and i mean it's it sounds amazing that that we that we achieve such a such amazing things i'm really happy that it went this way because in the beginning it wasn't so good and we we just keep fighting and the second set as bar said it really helped us and then we were much better and better so i am so excited that we have the title uh, they were very good. Beat the Americans, McNally and Townsend in that uh, final, uh, three six seven five six one. Little shout out to the two Aussies, Storm Sanders, uh, teaming up with Caroline Dollarhide. They made the semis, and of course, uh, Ellen Perez has had a terrific month, uh, teaming up with Nicole Malika Martinez. Uh, made. Uh, the semi, so hopefully for both uh, they'll go a step further next year. But we'll get on to Storm Sanders after the break because that is where Australia did clean up in the mixed doubles for the first time in 21 years at the US Open. Uh, plenty more to come. Uh, happy to take your calls. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 couple uh, coming through on the text. I'll get to those on the Tennis Direct text 0433981116. All thanks to Hume Tennis and Community Centre. It's a little mini Melbourne park. It's a beauty. 18 courts out in Melbourne's north. It's got tennis for everyone. It's perfect also for coaches and players. So if you're jetting into Tullamarine, nice little short drive out to the Hume Tennis and Community Centre. It's got uh, accommodation just around the corner. So to find out more, log on to Hume Tennis. Thanks to GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to the First Serve post the US Open for 2022. Happy to take your calls tonight. one 736 736 We'll get to your calls in just a tick off the Tennis Direct text. It was the talk of the Kuyong Sauna. Uh, nice that we can go inside the uh, Kuyong sauna tonight that uh, Carlos uh, Elcaraz is on his way to Kuyong. Uh, thank you, Paul, from uh, Q. Uh, they'd be salivating down at Kuyong with the thought of King Carlos uh, arriving at the spiritual home of Australian tennis. Do you think Yannick Sinner's uh, nerves got the better of him against Elcaraz? And does this place a question mark over uh, him going forward? Michael in Northgate, yeah, I mean, Shane had to be a loser, really, in that match. I mean, it was something else, wasn't it? And Sinner played a great match. He's not quite at the level of Elcaraz, but these two are going to have a great rivalry. I mean, if you've got a Darren Cale in your corner for wisdom, uh, he had Ricardo Piatti in the early part. Elcaraz has surrounded himself with great people. So, I mean, we'll hear from Juan Carlos, hopefully. If I get to him, uh, he said that um, Carlos is only at 60% at the moment, so there's 40% more growth. It's scary, isn't it, uh, for what he's achieving in the sport. Uh, what would Ferrero Rocher know about serve and volley? Good on you, Mario, from that beautiful nudist beach over in uh, Adelaide, uh, Maslin Beach. Uh, when you take your clothes off, uh, things just come out that uh, probably shouldn't. Uh, Jason is in uh, East Hawthorne. Jason, welcome to the show. Uh, g'day, Brett. How are you? Very good, thank you. Good. Yeah, good. Uh, I just wanted to um, bring up a, a new event or tell people uh, about a new event that we're it's been initiated by three of the Victorian associations. Sure. And it's called the Victoria Cup Tennis Carnival. And it's going to be over held over the Cup weekend. So um, Brilliant. Tell us more about ages. it. Yeah, so it's for the 12, 14s and 16s age groups. It's being um, hosted by... Uh, the 12 is going to be hosted by Northeast Junior Tennis Association. Yep. The 14s by Waverley Association and 16s by Eastern Region. We've, uh, we're basically, you know, passionate tennis people who are trying to come up with some solutions to uh, some of the problems in, in tournaments at the moment. So we're, we're 
it's, it's all going to be run on a compass draw, which means uh, all all of the players are guaranteed at least four matches, uh, four verified UCR matches, that would be. And, um, yeah, we're hoping it's an inaugural event. We've got over $20,000 in sponsorships and prizes confirmed so far. Brilliant. So uh, hoping it'll be a great event. How do people find out more, Jason? Where do they uh, log on to and have a look? Well, I'll, I guess I'll have to... Uh, <laughs> it's on the UTR platform. Okay. So all of the, uh, they can enter directly through the UTR platform or I'll... Um, yeah, I guess I'll have to um, send a link or... <laughs> um, that's all right. We can uh, we, we can work that out, and uh, we can link that through our socials at the first serve as well, and through our uh, website in the next uh, couple of days. That sounds that sounds terrific. I mean, just quickly, um, how are you finding it out there? I'm obviously UTR. I've got a little bit in the mailbag tonight, but how are you finding it uh, now that we're what eight nine months into the um, the uh, the new system in Australia? Yeah, look, hence uh, why we're having to come up with our own event. There's still lots of problems. We're all, you know, huge supporters in association, man. We're all huge supporters of the UTR. It makes, um, you know, choosing teams and team selection that much easier. But yep. it's not working uh, as a as a ranking system, which unfortunately is being used as a ranking system. So, um, you know, there's so many withdrawals. So what we've done with this this event is it's a compass draw, which means winners move one way, runners up move one way. So you end up playing in a pool of like people, I guess. So. Mm. You can have three losses, but you'd be playing against other kids who have three losses. So, right, okay. um, and then there's prizes in each of those pools. So, to, to um, there's just so many withdrawals at the moment where um, kids think that you know if they play and they lose, their UTR might go down, or if they don't beat a kid comfortably, their UTR goes down. So, there's I guess there's still lots of misinformation, but uh, we're just trying to provide a, a different option and. Um, you know, help okay. the player development pathway. Nice. Uh, mate, really appreciate your call. Uh, thank you, Jason, out there at East Hawthorne. So the Victoria Cup. We'll d- put some more details up on our socials and our website over the next uh, couple of days, but you can uh, check that out. And I've got a bit more on UTR very shortly. But we do need to hear from the Australian Mixed Doubles champions in, of course, Storm Sanders and John Pearce, who saluted over the weekend at Flushing Meadows. The last all-Aussie pair to win the Mixed Doubles at the US Open was... Renee Stubbs and Todd Woodbridge, 21 years ago, the day before 9-11, which was so significant, obviously, in America, but here are the two Aussies. Yeah, for me, I think, I mean, we played really well, even at the start. Um, You know, we had some opportunities in their service games early on and couldn't quite, yeah, get the break, but I felt like we were playing well enough, you know, got broken on my serve, but it was super close and could have gone either way, but I'm just so proud of that we backed ourselves and um, just played our game and... We just kind of hung around and tried to enjoy the moment too. And then, honestly, it's a bit of a blur for me, even the super tie break. But I know we came out kind of firing and got off to a good start in the super tie break. And, yeah, just kind of hung on and just backed ourselves. And I, I trusted Johnny and his serve and volleys. And I was like, hopefully he can just hit a good serve on match point. And, and he did. So, um, yeah, that was amazing. There wasn't actually much in it in the first set. I mean, we had a few chances, but I thought they played really good and didn't really allow us to do much. Yeah, I thought second set could have gone a little bit either way and then we didn't really get any chances till that 5-4 game. It was the first time we really sort of, I felt we got sort of a chance to, well, the window got opened and then I felt we just kept momentum going, just kept sticking with our guns. The tie break can go either way, but... We sort of just kept going and kept rolling the dice and kept backing what we had, and yeah, it was good enough. Storm, you said in the trophy presentation, you turned to John and said, I can't believe we're Grand Slam champions. It's something he's achieved once before, but it's the first for you. So now that the emotions have settled a bit, what did it feel like when 
that realisation was sinking in for you? Um, to be honest, I still don't think it has really sunk in. We, you know, even before the match, we would, I was just thinking it's another match. It doesn't matter. It's, um, you know, an amazing opportunity and a great challenge to be playing on the biggest court in the world in a Grand Slam final. And obviously I lost my double semifinal yesterday in a close one and I had to kind of let that go and just really focus on today. But yeah, when we yeah won the, won the match and it kind of all sunk in and having Sam there as well, um, watching on was just super amazing, kind of gave me a little bit of calmness knowing that she was there. And, you know, just, I think she yelled out, believe in, believe in yourself to me once. And that definitely helped. Yeah, it still doesn't really feel real, to be honest. You know, this is the first time that Johnny and I have played together and we played really well all week and we had some really tough opponents and um, yeah, our game styles match up really well and we also have a lot of fun out there too. You guys were trying to arrange this for over a year or somewhere like year. Uh, sort of what, what takes so long to make? Is it just you got to find the right schedules or return messages to each other or uh, and John, I think you've played with obviously a lot of mixed doubles partners and sort of what makes it finally work and are you have you been looking for a long time for the right combination I guess? Storm and I have been set with other partners when either one of us had tried to play with the other one. We sort of said a few months back we said look if we don't do really well with what a different partner let's try and do US so we sort of held off and I just said look let's hang off and see what happens and then um, yeah we were able to string it together here which was great and then it's just timing worked out nicely and it was a lot of fun. Uh, the Aussies nice work John Pierce, Storm Sanders uh, two of the uh, the nicest people you'll meet in Australian tennis, so great that they get a reward at major level. All thanks to Melbourne's leading synthetic grass court surface and construction specialist, ST Tennis Courts. They're trusted by Melbourne tennis clubs and councils. Check out aste.com.au. Just wrapping up the rest of the US Open. Now, two players that won the juniors both trained at the Rafael Nadal Tennis Academy in Mallorca. So uh, Martin Landeluche, the Spaniard, uh, 16 years of age, made the semis of Wimbledon, follows up to win the US Open boys singles and a bit of history made for the Philippines who have never had anyone uh, win a, uh, a Grand Slam title, be it juniors or the pros, but young um, Alex Iela, 6-2-6-4. So she has been training at the Nagdal Academy since she was at uh, the age of 12, uh, a couple of other significant uh, results as far as uh, the US Open was concerned. We do need to mention uh, Shingo Kunita, the Japanese number one, 28 major wheelchair titles. He was going for the whole calendar slam and was beaten by uh, Elfie Hewitt of Great Britain, 7-6-2-1. Uh, so three US Opens for him, but unfortunately for Kunita, he couldn't quite get the calendar slam. But um, a girl, this is a phenomenal record. Didi de Groot from the Netherlands. Uh, won the uh, Golden Slam last year when she won Paralympic gold as well as the four majors. But the first tennis player in any discipline to complete the Grand Slam in back-to-back years. So five straight US Open titles. Unbeaten season at the Slams for the second year in a row. So uh, she has done some phenomenal things. And when Dylan Alcott retired at the start of this year, he said the 19-year-old Dutchman, Neil Zvink, will be the man that will take the mantle. Well, he uh, won against uh, his fellow countryman, Sam Schroeder, over the weekend. So he's won the French, won the US Open. He's the next best thing in quad wheelchair tennis. Uh, back with a few bits and pieces to wrap up. Thanks to GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. 
Away from the US Open in the last week, James Duckworth, uh, of course, made the final of the ATP Challenger over in France. Unfortunately, finished runner-up for Ducks, 5-7-4-6, but goes up 13 spots to 70. Madison Inglis won the 25K doubles title. That was the ITF in Portugal. Uh, Bernie Tomic, yes, Bernard, he is playing. Uh, the 15K in Cancun in Mexico, which is, uh, gee, tempting not to go to the tennis courts, so the beautiful Cancun, but he's 7-6-2 love up uh, when uh, rain interrupted. So he'll be back in the early hours of tomorrow morning to see if he can win a 15K title. It's been a fair fall from grace for Bernard Tomic, Gomar Jaseka and uh, Matthew Delavadova, a couple of semis at Challenger and ITF level. The Davis Cup is uh, this week, so it'll be on uh, Channel 9 from uh, 10 o'clock tomorrow night, Thursday night and Sunday night. Australia, of course, Demon Orr, Kokonakis, Kubler is the third option for singles, Ebden and Purcell to play the doubles. So Belgium first up. Gee, we should be able to beat Belgium. David Goffin, Alex Dimonor likely to go head-to-head, 3-0 head-to-head there for Alex. Uh, Manorino leading the charge for France when we meet on Thursday. So Demon's got a 2-1 head-to-head, including the win in Atlanta only about six to eight weeks ago where there was a bagel set in the third. And, of course, no Alexander Zverev for Germany. He's not quite right and ready to go. He'll be part of the team, uh, but uh, they're going to be led by a big Oscar Otter and uh, Jan Leonard Struff. Uh, so I'll tell you what, even without Nick Kyrgios, if Australia can't get through to the November finals, there is uh, there is something wrong. I think we've lost transmission. Did you press a button, Rod? You terrible thing. You've only got three minutes to go and you bring pressing buttons. The National Tennis Academy, it's based up in Brisbane. I know a lot of you know about it. It's got 34 athletes. I have been sent the list of all the athletes, some of which are Brisbane-based, NTA college transition players and uh, home base players. So on Tuesday, the 27th of September, the first serve is going to head up to the NTA and take a really good look inside, talk to all the key people and some of the athletes who will be there uh, at the time. So there's a long list of uh, players. Uh, We might put those up on our website and our socials over the next few days for those of you who aren't aware of who actually gets into the academy. Into the UTR mailbag. Is the pressure of UTR destroying kids' love for tennis? Who decided to adopt UTR in Australia? Even the US follow the NTRP rating system. The USTA ranking in Europe follows its own ranking system. We were sent links to ITF championship matches the other day between Switzerland and Germany. None of those kids have played much matches on the UTR, but are top-ranked players in their respective countries. Was the Australian ranking system perfect? No, not at all. There were loopholes. And who combines doubles and singles rankings points anyway? But shouldn't we have focused on fixing that rather than replacing it with a tool which comes with its own flaws? I did a case study that highlights the issues with the UTR algorithm and reached out to Steve Armitrage, the CEO of UTR, with that case study. If you are now thinking, uh, why would a CTO of a big company respond to a business analyst? Well, he absolutely did. And this is what he said. Your son at 11 is still very young. I would encourage him not to get too worried about his UTR, but rather zoom out and focus on his development and his improvement. I agree with that. And a lot of people representing Tennis Australia would agree with that too and would tell me the same thing. But things change when you start using UTR for every selection you do. We should start a national development squad for upcoming players, but we can only take six. What should we do? Let's take the top six in their age group. We should run a national development workshop for top eight 11-year-olds across the country. But how do we get top eight? Let's look at their UTR. We have nationals coming. 
Who should make the main draws? Let's take the top kids in that age group based on their UTR. After all, this uh, is how this is how can you expect a child to walk into the court not thinking about their UTR? I would post this question out there to every parent and every coach. Be honest and tell me that you have never come across a player that has got awesome skills and technique but is not part of this elite group of NDS because his or her UTR did not make the cut. No, I'm not saying that the kids who are part of NDS are not good and don't deserve to be there. Uh, They are very good. I am just saying that there are more kids out there who are equally good or even better but are missing out on opportunities because their UTR is not high enough. And this is coming from a mum whose son has made it to the NDS. Many kids are smart and have now found a way around this play higher age group. Even an okay 16-year-old will have a better UTR than me, right? Or just play pennant and rubbers. We all know a UTR 6 pennant player is not as good as a UTR 6 tournament seasonal player. Is that their fault? No, it's not. It's all the UTR pressure that's making them find these ways. Players in the US and Europe don't play in higher age groups because they don't have to. I don't want my son to be scared of losing points or games when he is playing. I want him to play the way he likes to play. That was into the UTR mailbag. Always plenty of passion with that topic. Have a great week, everyone. Hit them beautifully out of the middle. We'll do it again next uh, Monday night at 8 o'clock. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.